You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Now, we've been talking about <clears throat> wake-up calls. We'll be doing it now for this is our fourth week. And have you ever gotten a wake-up call before? Like you're in a hotel, you call the, you know, I know they're not as popular as they used to be because of all the other ways to wake up, you know. But you need to call the hotel desk and Sometimes even when you check in, they'll ask, do you want a wake-up call? You know, kind of like, you know, can't wait till you leave. Anyway, and, uh, but do you want a wake-up call? And I've gotten those before. And, you know, the, you, you, you get those because you're kind of afraid. You may sleep in or sleep too late or not be aware of your responsibilities that you have the following day, whatever. So there's this idea that we need some sort of a shock factor to get us to wake up and to face the realities of that day. So that's kind of the way that we have approached 1 Peter, that this great writer of Scripture here, inspired by the Holy Spirit, had the energy, the excitement, the enthusiasm, the words that he uses in sharing these truths, sort of are a wake-up call. That's the way that the interpretation for me has been to present it to you in this container of wake-up calls. And so we're going to look at another one this morning. Remember last week, we said that spiritual formation answers this question. How is the character of Christ formed in a person? I want to say this from the outset, that I need your attention. You'll see that in just a moment. Because even though there's been so many amazing parts of this service, the best is yet to come. Not because of who's delivering it, because of what God's Word says Hang on and enjoy the ride, church, because this question is going to be answered even more than it was last week. So how do you come to Christ? You come to Christ by faith as the only basis for our forgiveness. Amen? That's how you come to Christ. There was this day, and that day was referred to in every single baptism. There was a day, a moment. For some, it was just this past week. For others, it may have been you know, several years ago, but there was a day where they put their faith in Jesus Christ as their only basis for forgiveness. But what happens next? And where do you go from there? For instance, that happened for me 41 years ago. So 41 years, what is happening? Question, how is the character of Christ being formed in my life? Is it just some sort of an event that I'll look back to and say, yeah, there was a time, yeah, there was this day that I did this thing and prayed a prayer or whatever it is that we look back to and sort of reminisce about? Is it just this one day that God just kind of, poof, it's all over? No, that's just the beginning. There is a life. There is days and years that God wants to change us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the gospel. It's the gospel that saves, but that gospel is saving us every single day. It's an amazing thing. And so what Peter has done is he's given us three words of wisdom. The first word of wisdom we discussed last week, and it was this, that we begin with the word of God, so let's continue in the word of God. We begin with it. It all starts there. It starts with the word. In fact, we, we remember 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23 where scripture says, since you have been born again. Here it is, church. Since that day, remember that day we talked about just a moment ago. Since that day, you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. 
And then he goes on to say, like newborn babes in 1 Peter 2, 2, he said, I want you to long for, I want you to long for the word, long for the spiritual milk that it may grow you up into salvation. So in other words, we must feed on the word of God just as we need physical food. Listen, my wife, honey, I'm so glad you're here today after... After two weeks of being gone, it is her birthday tomorrow. And so every time we have a birthday, whoever's birthday it is gets to choose what they want for lunch. That's kind of a massive family tradition. And so, you know, you get to choose your favorite food. So Carol Ann's, I think it's been 20 years plus now, Carol Ann has chosen La Hacienda. So right after the service, I called it in yesterday, called the order in. They're like, dude, that's a lot of food. I'm like, yeah. We got a lot of family, and we're going to feed a lot of people. So I got to pick up all kinds of La Hacienda after the service, by the way. That is the best Mexican food in town, just in case you wanted some gospel truth this morning. Anyway, all right, <clears throat> just kidding. We preach the word here whether you like it or not. All right, and uh, so just as we need that physical food, and I can't wait to enjoy that food. I began to enjoy it last night when I ordered it. We need not starve spiritually, and so many are starving spiritually. I know they are because I hear it. I hear it. I hear you. I hear us sometimes say, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm just down. I'm just not, I don't know. I'm just not into it. I'm just, you know, and and what is it? We find that we are undernourished spiritually, and it all begins with the Word of God, and we must continue in the Word. Secondly, Paul gives, Peter gives us this word. Not only do we begin with the Word of God and continue, then we are built by the Son of God, and so we pursue Him. We pursue him our entire lives. After he's pursued us and found us, we then pursue him. You see, the word of God is our food, but the son of God is our relationship. We now become a child of the king, of God. And we begin this relationship with him in 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's reminisce for a moment. You, uh, as you come to him, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the spirit of God, chosen and precious, You yourselves, like living stones, here it is, church, are built up. You're built up as a spiritual house. You you are built up to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through, there it is, Jesus Christ. He is the foundation. He is the cornerstone. He is who we build our lives on. It's all about Jesus, the Son of God. And then finally, or rather today, the third word of wisdom, we're going to spend the whole message on it, is this. Third, three, thirdly, a three, a three, a third, or number three, or Roman numeral, whatever. We are beloved by the family of God. Let's embrace it. So we are, it begins with the word of God. We're built by the son of God, but we're beloved by the family of God. Now, wait just a moment. That word embrace is a key word in the message. In fact, in the last song that we sang as a worship family this morning, I think in Abba Father, it mentioned about he has embraced us with his love. Do you remember that? Now, he has embraced us with his love. Now, honey, come forward for just a moment, and I want to show you this passage and, and give you an illustration. Put 1 Peter 2, 11, just the first few words. I want to draw your attention to these words, beloved, I urge you. Now, why did he use that word urge? In fact, the more I say the word urge, the weirder the word urge sounds. <laughs> I don't know who came up with the word urge, but it's a really weird word. But Peter uses it here. The word beloved is an affectionate term. The word embrace is is an affectionate term. 
Honey, em- embrace me like you really mean it. Urge me. Yeah. Embrace. How's it feel? <laughs> Nothing back, right? So when you embrace me, embrace me, and I embrace you. Service is over. Let's go home. Oh, anyway. <laughs> Short service today. And uh, <clears throat> so when she embraces me and I embrace her, everything changes. Peter knew that. See, so many of us have been embraced by Jesus, but we're not embracing him. And Peter says, I urge you. You got to get this. This is a life changer. This is important. I urge you, beloved, I urge you. And basically what we need to embrace this morning and what the rest of the message is going to be about for about 25 minutes, I want to talk to you about your identity in Christ. The Word of God, the Spirit of God, and then, or the Son of God, and then there is this family of God that embraces us. If you are going to live all for Jesus, you have to know who you are. You have to know who you are in Christ. It's so important. We are beloved in the family of God, and we must embrace it, embrace it, not let go. I urge you, he says. That's why we've been bringing up this verse every single week for the past four weeks. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, where Paul said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, so time out, might be a good moment for us to make sure we're in Christ. Are you in Christ? I'm sure many of you are in Christ. But it begins with that. And if you're not in Christ this morning, I urge you to accept him this morning as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're like one of those who I spoke with this week who said, Pastor, I know I need to be saved. I know I needed to be saved. I've heard it all my life. I was raised in church. I just just never did it. I never got saved. I never truly put my faith in Christ. Maybe you're like that this morning. Maybe you're someone who is a member here or you're visiting, but this is not new to you. You've heard the message. You've heard the gospel. As one of the testimonies said, I heard the gospel many times. Maybe in Cedar. But then Cedar said, but now it's a reality in my life. Now it's real. I've embraced it for myself. It's no longer a Bible study. It's no longer my aunt's faith. It's my faith. Maybe that's you this morning. Are you in Christ? But if you are in Christ, then what does it mean to be a son and daughter of the living God? If I were to ask you this morning, give me one word that describes who you are. If I were to just one-on-one ask you, give me one word that describes your identity. What would you say? What would be your answer to that question? What would you think if I asked you just to give me one word that describes who you are? Well, let me give you five wrong answers to that question. Because I'm convinced as I pastor and as I counsel and minister that these are the answers I hear far too often. Number one, some would say, I am my past. I am my past. I did some things I'm ashamed of. And those things now hang over my life like a dark cloud. And everywhere I go, I've been dealing with these things that I've done, these things that I've, uh, you know, decisions I've made, and it's just a really bad deal, and it's, it's issues and things in my life, and that's just what's defining me is my past. That's who you say you are. Number two, some would say, I am my parents. 
I talk to a lot of young people that are struggling with this. Not even young people, but people now, honestly, my wife and I will tell you, we find this to be true of those in their 30s and 40s and 50s. They're living as if they were their parents. I could never please them. I could never make them happy. I could never do what they wanted me to do. They're not proud of me today. And we're living as if our parents define us. Some would say, I am my problems. I'm not smart. I'm not good at discerning situations. I make bad decisions and I'm weak in the face of temptation. I got porn problems. I got drug problems. I got alcohol problems. I got fornication problems. I got problems. And it's just who I am. I just keep doing those things. It's defining me. Whatever the particular problem is in your life that you struggle with. By the way, we all have problems. We're all broken. But that doesn't define us. It's not who we are. It's not who he says we are. But this is who we say we are. I'm my past. I'm my parents. I'm my problems. Some say I am my present. I mean, here's the issue. The issue is I'm just a roller coaster person. You just got to know that, you know, I just seem to always have a new friend and I've got a new boyfriend. I mean, I've got a new girlfriend and I've got a new hobby and I've got a new deal and a new thing and a zigzag all the time. I'm like a drama person. I'm like the weather. You wake up every morning and see, what's the weather like? That's me. I really don't know what I'm going to wake up, who I'm going to be, what I'm going to like, who I'm gonna, where I'm going to go. I'm just, I'm, just a z- I'm just all about today, and I just can't seem to get a hold of this thing. That's defining who you are. There's a fifth wrong identity that I'm going to share in just a moment. It doesn't fit in the message right now. It will only fit at the end of the message. And so I'm not going to give you the fifth wrong identity, the wrong answer to that question. But by the way, if you are in Christ, those are all wrong answers. If you are a child of God, if you are, my friend, a son and daughter of the living God, then that is not who you are. You are not your past. You are not your parents. You are not your problem. You are not your presence. So who are you? Well, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, if I had a drum roll, I'd give me a drum roll because here's the answer to the question. And I want you to pay close attention because this is what we're going to break down for a few moments. Here is who he says you are. And I'm going to tell you, this excites me. And that's why I'm preaching this message like Peter told me to. Peter said, I urge you. So I'm going to urge you. I'm not going to preach this with no energy and with little care and concern. I'm going to speak as if I believe Peter were here this morning, urging all of you to remember that you are a chosen race. You are in Christ, a royal priesthood. You are in Christ, a holy nation. You are, as a child of God, you are a people for his own possession. That is who you are in Christ. But we're not living that way. That's why we struggle with so many different things. That's why we oftentimes are defined by our past and our parents and our problems and our present. But this is who you are if you're a son or daughter of the living God. Number one, you are a chosen race. You're chosen. You are a chosen race. Now, this is an allusion to Old Testament Israel. This speaks of Old Testament ethnic Israel. But wait a minute. In the New Testament, it's not an ethnic thing. In fact, I want to put this on the screen. In Christ, those human exterior differences. Do I not have this for, the, for a note? Okay, I wanted it, but I must have missed it. Are you ready? In Christ, 
the human exterior differences between all of us are obliterated. Can I get an amen? They're obliterated. It's not about black and white, rich and poor, uh, America and, you know, uh, uh, Russia. All these things that, that are made to be, even in the church. What's up with racial issues in the church? We are a chosen race. Galatians chapter number 3 and verse 28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Do you know what race we are in now? Hint, hint, it's on the screen. We are in, go back to the last, oh, I got this one, okay, yeah. We're in the family of God. We are sons and daughters of the living king. Amen. That's who you are. That's who he says you are. When he says you are a chosen race, you now are a member of the family of God. That's the family you're in. It's not about color of skin. It's not about, you know, socioeconomic situations. And it's not about this geographical stuff we talk about. It's about being a believer in Christ and becoming a child of a king. Number two, not only are you a chosen race, but you are coronated. You are a royal priesthood. Hey, listen, you're not just in the family. But can I tell you something? You are honored in the family of God. You see, the Old Testament priest had special access to God. Therefore, what's happened is that word priest has been distorted in Christianity today. For me, I, I would go to the priest for forgiveness of my sins. For me, I grew up in an environment that looked at the priest as the holy of holies. And I was just this measly little 13-year-old boy that would go to the little box and I would say something like, forgive me, Father, I have sinned. My last confession was. And he would say, what are your sins, son? Oftentimes he would say that while the cigarette smoke from his cigarette was coming through the little thing. And I would think, man, I'm glad I'm not smoking because I would have to confess that. And he's doing it right now. <laughs> Seriously. It was confusing to me. But no, no, no. This was a priest. He had special access. He was someone that I could never be. The term priest actually comes from an Arabic term, which means to draw near, to draw near. They were very special. So now let's talk about it today. You are a, you are, he says, you are a royal priesthood. So can you imagine when the first generation church or the first generation Christian heard him say that, they were like, oh, he just said that we're a royal priesthood. Wait a minute. In their minds, to be a priest would be to have special access to God. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's what all of us have today. We're all priests. We all have special access to God. It's not about the man of God. Let me tell you something. I'm the pastor, and if you want to know, just look on the parking sign that says, Pastor. You got it? That dude needs to leave the church right now. You need to get you a humble dude. Get you one that understands he's one sinner talking to a bunch of sinners, how we can all sin a little bit less. I'm not boasting here this morning about the title I have. I don't often tell you, hey, listen, just to let you know, I'm the senior pastor around here, so what I say goes, the buck stops here. Let me tell you something. That's not the way God intended it to be. 
At the end of the day, we understand authority structure in the church and in the family. We get that. But this is not about status. This is for all of us. We're all a royal priesthood. That's why Jesus taught to avoid titles. Do you know what I am? Hey, Vince. Hey, brother in Christ. Love you. Hey, sister in Christ. Love you. Good to be your brother. That's what we are. We're priests, both of us. We have the opportunity to look out for one another, to care for one another, to serve one another. That's why we should not call an earthly man other than our, obviously God has given us a little F father. He's given us a dad. But the Bible says very clearly in Matthew 23, 9, to call no man your father on earth. We're way too into titles. Everyone who trusts Christ is a priest so we can confess our sins to one another. James chapter 5, 16 says confess your sins to one another. We can instruct one another because we're priests. Romans chapter 5 and verse 15, 16, or 14 says to instruct one another. That's why we settle disputes with one another. We don't, we don't sue one another. We settle it between one another. Take, a, take some time this week to read 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 7. That's why we serve one another. Galatians 5, 13. This week, my wife, or these past two weeks, my wife has been sick. And guess what? Thank you for serving us. It's an honor to serve you, and thank you for serving us. It says, through love, we serve one another. That's why we encourage one another. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says encourage one another. That's why we stir one another up to good works. Hebrews 10.24 says to stir up one another to love and good works. We, church, are to be each other's priest. What a privilege. Every single follower of Jesus Christ in this room is a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, and that is an amazing privilege. It's one thing to be born royalty, but it's quite another to be made royalty. And that's what Christ has made you. You, in Christ, are royalty. Kylie, come here. You just became royalty. Now, I mean, actually, it was a couple years ago, right? Yeah. Look at this. You're looking at royalty. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. She's royalty in the side. I'm embarrassing her, right? She wants to sit down, but she can't because I'm still using her as an example. So did you get for coming to my office? No. Telling me the good news. But really, at the end of the day, I'm just your brother. And you're my sister. And I want to encourage you. And you encourage me. What did I tell you, Mom, this week? I said, you've got such a great daughter. I know she's not perfect, and your pastor's not perfect either. But you got a good daughter. She's, her heart's tender for Christ. So sweet. Your mom's here to serve you. You're here to serve her. Isn't this an amazing thing? You can be seated. I'm trying to make it practical because I think for some reason we have complicated this Christian life as to think that we've got some sort of hierarchical or system that where you know, these people are up here and these people are down here. We're all priests. It's an amazing thing when you understand it. 
God says you're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You've been chosen. You've been coronated. Thirdly, you've been connected. You're a holy nation. Let's talk about those two words separately. First, let's talk about the word nation. We have the same heritage as children of the king. The same heritage. I'm not talking about I'm from Louisiana, you're from Arkansas, you're from Cali, you're from, you know, born in China, right? Are we born in China? No, you aren't. Is any of the kids born in China? Oh, y'all moved to China. Okay. Hey, got your grandparents here. Awesome. (laughs) But I mean, from China, whatever. No, it's not about that. This nation he's talking about here is we bow to the same king, King Jesus. The idea here is we are not alone in the family of God. That's the idea. Nation, a holy nation, people all over the world who love Christ are a part of this great big family. I've been to Australia, and I've actually met people in the family. They're our brothers and sisters. I've been, I've been to Vanuatu. I've met people there. The Philippines, I've met people there. Some of you have been to other parts of the world and met brothers and sisters in Christ who are our family. It's part of our holy nation, the family of God. We're not in this alone. We are connected to an amazing network of people. That's why scripture says from every tribe, from every tongue, every nation, all following the same Lord and master, Jesus Christ. This whole minority thing is a geographical thing. I'm a minority if I go to another country. That has no place in the family of God. It's not like Baptists are here and Methodists are here. Garbage. Garbage. Bad theology. The way I was raised to think, but think no longer, and lost all my friends because I think this way now, but you love me, so I'm okay. Or I think you do. I mean, how stupid is it to label ourselves? I'm IFB. I'm SBC. I'm GARBC. I'm what? Go, go say the alphabet somewhere else. I could care less about your IFB, SBC, ABC, CBS, RB, whatever. I want to know if you're a child of God. And if you're a child of God, hey, I'm glad you got a little family called Southern Baptist, and I'm glad you're a little independent fundy, and I'm glad you're uh, Arkansas Baptist, ABC, SB. Great. God bless you guys for all these titles. That's great. I got one, too. It's a nice little subculture over here. But who gives a rip at the, in the big picture of things? When we meet each other in the air, it's not going to be, where's the Southern Baptist? I go with that crowd. I want to go to the convention in heaven. Of the, there is no convention of the Southern Baptist in heaven. Amen. You say, why are you so excited? He said, I urge you. How do you preach it when he, like any other way when somebody says to urge you? How do, I, how do you want me to do that? I'm urging you. I, I'm, I'm, this is important. This is, this is what is our new identity in Christ. Now let's talk about the word holy. You're a holy nation. Nations have distinguishing strengths. For instance, I've been told if you go to Africa, you will be blown away by the hospitality. I heard it's crazy. Someone told me that in the Caribbean nations, that when you check into a hotel, it's like unbelievable, the service. Nations have distinguishing strengths. So what's the distinguishing strength of the holy nation? We're holy. That's how we identify ourselves. We're different. It's the distinguishing factor of a Christian. 
We're set apart unto God. We're different. We can often sense when we meet a Christian in our spirit, right? My wife and I were traveling last week or two weeks ago or three weeks ago actually now to North Carolina to do that couples retreat. And at the Delta counter early in the morning, I do what I always do. I mean, I never not do this. I say, hey, good to see you. It's early. I'm glad you're up. I said, we need to get this flight and it's just good to be alive. First words out of her mouth. As soon as I said that, you're a Christian. I'm like, yeah. And she goes, how did you know? She goes, do you realize how many people are this nice this early in the morning? Only Christians. We went to the doctor last week to see Dr. Mizell, which is, you know, the Michael Jordan of Carol Ann's uh, health issue. And he's just amazing, really. We're blessed to have him at UAMS. Amazing guy. I met him for the first time. She had met him several times. I got to meet him for the first time. So we go up for this, you know, big deal. And so when I walk in, Dr. Mizell walks in. I said, all right, Doc, before we get started, he probably thought it was a whack job, you know. Before we get started, I want to read your text. Got this text this morning, and I did. I got a text early that morning from Tony McCandley. And Tony said, Eric, I just want you to know that I have prayed for Dr. Mizell. I pray that when he wakes up, he'll be in a good mood. I pray that his kids will give him a hug before he leaves the house. I pray that he has an uneventful ride to the hospital. And that when he gets there, his nursing staff greets him with wonderful kudos. And that he has a sweet day so that when he walks into your office, he's happy and ready to tend to your wife in the best way possible. In Jesus' name, amen. So I read him that text. And he goes, you're a Christian. And I'm like, yeah. He goes, and everything you just read happened this morning. That's been my morning. Everything you just read is exactly. You say, why did you read that? Because we're a holy nation. And I like to tell people about my holy God. And I can pray holy prayers to a holy God who answers prayer and who's real and who's living and who's present everywhere you go. That's the distinguishing factor of a Christian is we're holy. We're chosen race. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We're chosen, coronated, connected. Finally, we're coveted. We're a people for his own possession. A people for his own possession. Adoption is special, isn't it? Abba, Father, you've called us as your own. Abba, Father, forever we are known. We were, how does it go, Jordan, the first words, we were, but you made us sons. We were, we were orphans, thanks, but you made us sons. We are adopted to your family. I know it doesn't sound as good as these guys, but I'm trying. That's why I'm not on the worship team anymore. We're adopted to your family. I want you to stop and realize that adoption is special. If you've ever adopted, you know that an adopted child is so sought out and taken. In fact, Romans chapter 8 and verse 15 puts it like this. But you, you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, and that's where the song came from that Jordan wrote, Abba, Father. It's a Romans 8:15 song. Everything you sung was scripture. This is who you are. Your people chosen for his own possession. And that's what he's saying here. He coveted us. He wanted us. He adopted us into his family. So you put all these things together. What an incredible identity. You are not your past. 
You are not your parents. You are not your problems, and you're not your present. But you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, and you are a people for God's own possession. So let's close with the wrong identity. Can we go back for just a moment to the fifth wrong identity? I didn't want you to think I forgot, because I know if I did, you'd be coming up to me. What was number five? Well, number five is interesting because it really has more to do with now that you're in Christ. All those others, you can be in Christ and have the wrong identity, but what happens is when you are in Christ and you understand these things, what happens is some then say, I'm prideful. Don't boast in your identity. One of the most important things we can learn as Christians is to be humble and take the position that but for the grace of God. May we as believers not come across to the world that we are better than them, that they are less than us. The truth of the matter is, is we must stay humble and not be puffed up. And that's what verse 9 and 10 in your text talks about. You're a chosen race. Get this, a royal priesthood, right? A holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why are we all these things? Not for us. See, far too often we like to take credit for these things. Well, this is who I am, and I've got this, and I've got that, and I'm this, and I'm that. Wait a minute. You are all those things not for you. You are all those things for him. Notice he said that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness. Remember where you used to be. Now you're into his marvelous light. He goes on to say, once you were not a people. That's harsh. Remember, once you were not a people. How do you like that? You, once you were not a people. What does that mean? I've been told in Africa there are millions of children who have no parents. They have no identity. It's as if they weren't even alive. They have no identity. That's why adopting children is so important. That's you. Before Christ, you had no identity. Once, he said, you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So what? Stay humble. Stay humble in this thing. Don't be prideful. Have you embraced these things? Why are we living in defeat then? Why are we wandering around in sin? Why does it seem that so many Christians are living compromised lives and we scratch our heads and wonder why are they living that way? Don't they know who they are? I want to close by just giving you a few examples of what I believe might be reasons as to why some are not embracing Christ like this. Number one, because some people simply refuse to hear. I find that many of my messages fall on deaf ears. I find that many of the things that are said... People are just so occupied with their own lives and with the next thing and with the football game and Game of Thrones and what's the fantasy football. And I mean, we are just sitting here because we can say we've gone to church this week to make sure that we have somewhat of a reputation that identifies, but, 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 but we haven't really heard anything. How often do we find ourselves saying, listen to the podcast? Well, what, what, did, what, did Eric, what did Eric preach this week? I don't know, listen to the podcast. And we depend on some sort of podcast to hear it again somehow. And I think podcasts are great, but let me tell you something. I think 
the problem is we're just not even sensitive, sensitive enough to hear. Number two, I think some have heard but don't believe. We've heard it. It's in our heads, but it hasn't gone to our hearts. It hasn't penetrated us, so we haven't embraced it. Some haven't heard. Some have heard but haven't believed. And I think others, they believe. They believe. You know how you can tell they believe? Just look at their Instagram account. They're posting my sermons or the sermon they heard this week. Or they're posting scriptures. Or they're posting, you know, great statements or worship songs. It's pretty interesting. It's pretty cool, right, to post and Twitter things. So here's my third category. They actually believe, but their life doesn't back it up. Their life doesn't back it up. You see, you are a holy nation. You're a royal priesthood. You've been changed. Sometimes I feel as if we identify our Christianity with what we post and not with what we live throughout the week. When Jesus says, I'd rather see a sermon than to hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk the walk than merely show the way. The eyes of better pupil and more willing than the ear find counsel is confusing, but examples always clear. You see, the best of all the teachers and preachers are the ones who live it. They live their creed. For to see the good in action is what everybody needs. I can soon learn how to do it if you let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. And the lectures, preacher man, the lectures you deliver, Eric, they may be very wise and true. But Eric, I'd rather get my lesson by observing what you do. For I may misunderstand you and the high advice you give. But Eric, there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. Oh, we believe it. We just don't live it. I'm asking you today to embrace it because if you've never embraced it, it's really hard to experience what I'm talking about, what God's talking about. Have you embraced it? If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, what a day to come to Christ. Maybe already in the service in your seat, you've accepted Christ as your Savior. And you want to come forward and make it known. And I'd love to be able to be the one to just rejoice with you as I did last week with several that came forward. But if you've received Christ and you have not identified yourself as who God says you are, you're still living with a past or a, a parent identity or a, a problem identity or a present identity, but not the identity that Christ has given you. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're a people for his own possession. This is huge. Man, this morning when I was worshiping, I was thinking about all these points and thinking, oh God, you are these things. And you have said these things over me. It's changed my life. We are beloved in the family of God. Let's embrace it. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. I'm a child of the King. I'm a child of the King. I am chosen. I'm forgiven. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a part of a holy nation. I understand America's in trouble, but, but I've actually transferred my, my membership to, to another nation. 
Much more than I'm an American, I'm a Christian. I've been, I've been grafted in, church. What about you? If you didn't know it, you're in Christ. That's you too. That's you too. Let's live like it. Let's embrace it. I urge you. I urge you. Beloved, I urge you.